Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness. 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 Foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Well, guys, what is going on? Welcome to the Foolishness Podcast, episode 87. This is Brian Sumner, and I just want to say thank you for tuning in. There's been so many more guests and people listening and people pushing it around the world. I consider it a tremendous privilege. Why? Because the state of the world right now, there's so much going on. Who's going to be the president? Who's getting indicted? What's going on with the nations? COVID this, COVID that. But what is of most importance Well, the Bible says we are to think on things that are above, and God says, seek first the kingdom. So something as simple as a brother and sister in the Lord sitting and unpacking the word, it is our prayer that today you would be encouraged, you would be ministered to, you would realize the God you serve and what he did. I mean, the second you came to faith, all eternity changed. So hold fast press in. And it's with that I want to just invite my guest on. She is a reoccurring guest. She does not even need an introduction, but for the sake of introductions, I will say she is a wife, a mother, an author, a podcaster, a speaker, but really an apologist. So Elisa Childers, how are we doing? Doing great. Always great to be with you, Brian. (laughs) Thank you. And so everything's going great with you guys. You just did an episode this morning, I heard, right? Yes, I I was a guest on someone else's podcast this morning, but okay. I'm kind of taking the I've I've sort of taken this whole last three or four weeks to mm-hmm. just record a bunch of episodes for my own podcast. Okay, so that I have all those ready to go because I actually have to I have to hunker down and focus on this book I'm supposed to be writing right Another now. Another book's coming. <laughs> yeah, so it's due okay. in um, May. So <laughs> and I've written one chapter, so I got to get on. Well, it. if you know much about Elisa, you know it's the Elisa Childers podcast, and so you're saying you just record them whenever guests are available, right? You just get them done and then. Yeah, I tend to record. Um, I tend to record them fairly early, although I'm realizing yeah. now as I release them, it's probably better to wait a little bit because culture, I mean, so much stuff happens I know. and then you feel like maybe what you're saying can come off in a way you didn't intend to because yeah. maybe a current event hadn't happened yet or something. So, um, Especially now, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Who knows what you might say. That Who you- knows? I mean, anything <laughs> can happen now. Well, I did, just see, I did just see someone, and I don't even really go on Twitter too much, but they said, you know, the danger of cancel culture is it leaves no room for forgiveness. Yeah. And I thought that was amazing, just spiritually. Like, you know, if I just cancel, if I just cancel whatever, yeah. it leaves no room for me to sit and think. And so, I mean, literally, we'll record this and I'll probably put it up tomorrow. So I did just talk about the election. I don't know what's happening, but I'll get it out soon. But but really, if you can as well, for just those listening, could you just summarize, because you, you've been a prior guest, obviously, so we went in depth, but could you just even summarize how you got from being church attender to podcaster? I mean, second book, you know, congratulations. And then we're going to jump into specifically where we feel like culture is, the church is, and the gospel. But how did uh, Elisa arrive here? Yeah. So I have kind of an unusual story leading to me becoming uh, a podcaster and an apologist and an author. (laughs) I actually come from the music industry. So I was Mm -hmm. raised by, uh, my dad was a musician and I grew up in Southern California. 
uh, loved Jesus as far back as I can remember, loved the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, had great Christian parents who gave me the gospel. And uh, then I went into contemporary Christian music in the industry for you know, six, seven years mm-hmm. as part of Zoe Girl. So some of your listeners might remember Zoe Girl. <laughs> and um, uh, you know, overall, I had a pretty good experience with Christianity. You you hear so many horror stories, and um, and the only reason I I say that I had a pretty good experience is I mm-hmm. think that's why I never really doubted my beliefs because yeah. not only did I believe them, but they were lived out in front of me in a very genuine way Amen. by my parents and other Christians that I knew. I had great I had great pastors. I mean, mm-hmm. just a, a pretty good uh, experience. I mean, I, you know, there was some silliness yeah. and a couple of stinkers in There's there. It's always going to happen. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, um, but overall, you know, I just didn't have a reason to go, well, maybe that's not true because of X, mm. Y, or Z. And so, it was really when I was an adult after Zoe Girl had already finished uh, my husband and I began attending a church in uh, a local church here that we just loved. We loved yeah. the pastor and the people. And so the pastor invited me to be a part of a much smaller kind of study group. And it was in that study group that he actually told us he was agnostic. So he essentially brought all of these skeptical claims against mm-hmm. what I believed my whole life. And it really shook me, especially after we left the church after about four months, and I was kind of isolated away from uh, a church community. I began to really intellectually question if what I believed was even mm-hmm. true. And so the doubt and the and the deconstruction, all of those waves were coming over me, and I just cried out to God one night, and I just begged God, if you exist, if this is all real and true, mm-hmm. uh, you, you have to send me a lifeboat because it felt like I was drowning. And mm-hmm. uh, so just long story short... God sent uh, lots of different apologists, and I even got connected with a seminary mm. and really began to investigate some of these questions that were brought to me in this smaller class. Yeah. And um, the Lord used that to rebuild my faith. And so I started my blog and my podcast really to help other people who might have some of those same questions or might be experiencing some of that. And so, just the one little thing I would say is that. You know, I focus a lot on the movement of progressive Christianity, and that's what my book's about, because the church that I was at eventually went on to identify itself as a progressive Christian church. So, I got to see just from the inside, really, a church Mm. go from, you know, gospel-centered, biblical-centered, all the way to fully progressive. And so, that's that's why I felt like I wanted to write the book, because I think there's mm-hmm. probably a lot of people who are going to a church, and they might have red flags about stuff, but they're not sure what it's all called or how to answer it. Exactly. So, the book essentially is to help with that. Yeah, because you don't seem like someone that comes off where your disposition is attacking. And I mean, I think you called them just then stinkers. You didn't even go after <laughs> the people who are, you know, the good or bad past. Yeah, we got some stinkers right now. <laughs> Dealing with stinkers. And so, yeah. you know, for those listening, we didn't get together and say, let's go and attack a bunch of people. But honestly, as an evangelist and you as an apologist, this is just something that is right in your face because I'll say it like this. Let's say, you know, you and me are in youth group or brother and sister. We're going to go and invite some friends. They might go to the coffee shop. They might come to, you know, the Christian festival. I mean, Zoe Gale could have been playing there. They might go to a skate event where I was going to be. That's their first experience of maybe Christians. Then they come into the church and whatever they see in that church, which is already a huge step, that kind of becomes their DNA. And what I found, and we didn't, we don't mean to say this. If you listen to Willis's prior episode, she unpacks a lot of where the history of this came from and her own journey, you know, while being pregnant, really struggling with this. What does it feel like 
For those of you who are like, I'm just lost right now, go back and listen to that episode or go on her channel and just go through it. You'll be blessed. But what ends up happening is you get into these communities and I'll say churches and they talk about the love of God and they talk about compassion and empathy and they talk about all these things, but there's always just one thing that's left out, right? And really that's why you ended up with the book you ended up with another gospel, but we could mm-hmm. say they have so much going on, but for a pastor to tell you he was agnostic is crazy. So really, yeah. I mean, you wrote another gospel to help people say, Hey, there's another gospel being preached out there, but we want to get back to, and as we're going to do today, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So. Yeah. And, and I- ultimately it's, it's, it's like, we want to address false gospels coming in because we love people and yeah. we don't want them to think that, you know, there, there's kind of this way that in progressive Christianity, they'll paint the real gospel as something yep. negative or something um, that that is bad for you. And yep. and so it's, it's really out of love for people that we want to say, no, actually, the gospel is mm. beautiful. It saves you. It's Amen. everything good and beautiful in the world. And um, and so that's why, you know, it's like you, you want to defend something that's that means <laughs> a lot to you. That's beautiful. Right. It's yeah. not it, like you said, it's not just like attacking because not we just want to be right or we yeah. want to you know we want to win the fight it's because we're protecting something really beautiful mm-hmm. it's like if somebody said something you know negative about your mom you'd yeah. be like no wait a second local <laughs> sandwich you, right there that's right <laughs> <laughs> no but it's true and i thought and i just had a few conversations the last few weeks particularly because people people just kind of blow up and they write comments and they do whatever and i don't chase those rabbit trails but I'll see someone who's in a wrong mindset and I might write a verse and they'll like chew you out or Mm. someone will say, Hey, you're too serious or you're too this. And I'll tell you the years I've been a believer, how many people have come back to me and said, Brian, I used to think you were so serious and evangelists are serious. I mean, look at Elijah, look at John the Baptist. They're pretty Mm. radical. You know, Mm. evangelists are pretty radical. You get around them in the church, they'll ruffle the pastor's feathers the wrong way. If he (laughs) get what they're aiming to do, you know, it's push the gospel out. But how many people came back and said, it wasn't that you were serious. It was just that you were so gospel focused. And not to say we have everything figured out, but to not have to go down the route we did last time, but to even go where we're going today. I just had a few questions as well. And these seem so simple, but it's like, if I were to say to you, you know, um, what would you say a believer's purpose is in this world? What sort of mm-hmm. things do we see in scripture that if I'm a believer, I just came to faith at 24, what should I be thinking? Um, not really my identity because that's in Christ, but what's my purpose now? What do we do? Yeah. What a great question. And, you know, the the verse that came to my mind when you asked that question is Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Mm -hmm. So, this is just before Jesus. This is after Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Mm -hmm. And and, and he's kind of giving his final call, like, here's what you are going to do now. Mm -hmm. This is what you should do. And it says uh, they they worshiped Jesus when when the 11 disciples saw him, they worshiped him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also says some doubted. Yep. I think that's an interesting part of that verse is that you had kind of a mix of people that were all in, like, I worship you, I mm-hmm. get it, Jesus. And some were kind of doubting. Uh, but then Jesus came and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey mm-hmm. everything I have commanded you. And then he promises to be with us mm-hmm. forever. He says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So essentially our purpose 
this, mm -hmm. is to share that this gospel message, which the word gospel means good news. This is yep. good news. And not bad it, news, people. It is not good. Bad news. And, and you know, usually though, and, and we can probably <laughs> get into this at some point, for there to be good news. Um, good news is only good because it's answering bad news. There is an element yeah. of bad news that the good news is saying, oh, but Amen. wait, but we have good news. Um, but, but essentially our purpose is to make disciples. And so mm -hmm. this, what that in, there's a lot of things implied in that. It's not just telling people the message, but it's giving them the good news, sharing the message, and then discipling them mm -hmm. in their walk, meaning we're we're teaching them what the Bible says about things. We're praying together. Mm -hmm. We're being accountable to each other, confessing our sins to each other, mm -hmm. um, having those deep friendships and fellowship with other believers that will yeah. encourage us and move us toward Christ and becoming more Christ-like in our walk. And so, mm -hmm. and, and the second sort of element to what Jesus said that we're supposed to do is is teach them all to obey what I've commanded you. Mm -hmm. And you know Jesus has a lot to say about what the nature of scripture is. He has a lot to say about the reason he died on the cross. Yes. Uh what the gospel is. And so we have so much such rich uh such a treasure trove in the scriptures to start digging into <laughs> some of those things and and learn and grow in those things. And so I think that that's probably how I would sum up what our purpose is. What as our purpose which actually sadly isn't often what you hear as the purpose though. Yeah. It can be and again it's almost sad that I feel like we have to be cautious because I'm not someone that attacks. But if I was to say, sadly, what you might find on television a lot is not exactly what you just said. You might mm. hear this abundant life and God does give mm. you an abundant life. He blesses you with what you need for the journey he's calling you on. But anyone that's been around this podcast or me for the past, however long I've been saved now, you know, but what you said is exactly true. Why? And I'll say this a lot when I'm invited into a church to preach on the gospel and excite the church as an evangelist, you know, Jesus's first words of follow me, I'll make you fish as a man. That's two things. And then what did he do? He showed them how to do that for three and a half years as a rabbi. And his final word, which you just gave before he took off into heaven is exactly the same. I mean, if you and I were there on the beach, you know, we know he likes fish. Here he is. We got his fish ready. Jesus, now we're taking over home. And he goes, no, even after all authority, even after it all, you're going to go and wait. But I want to tell you this message. Here's his new message. Guys, it's exactly the same. Now go. I mean, mm -hmm. he picked Peter, James, and John. A rabbi would do that, and they would continue the teaching. They went on to lead the church as John gave us various epistles and revelation. So what you're saying, if I'm rightly interpreting a very simple practical point, is the message is still the same. Yes. I am meant to be going. The people that came to the coffee shop or to see Zoe Gale were meant to continue going. And why is that? Why are we meant to go? And, and you alluded to this. We're meant to be going because what? There's currently a whale that is dead in sin because mm. of bad news. But God so loved the whale that he gave him because of what? The good news. So, mm. and if I was to say to you then, what verse or so would you say is, where can I see what the gospel is? I mean, would you go along with the verse in 1 Corinthians 15? You would say that's the gospel. I would say that's that's the starting point of the gospel. So mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians 15, what a lot of Christians don't realize, I think a lot of people don't realize, is, and I didn't know this. I mm -hmm. learned this when I started studying apologetics and everything, but that our New Testament actually has lots of creeds that are recorded. Um, so, you know, if a book, let's say 1 Corinthians written somewhere around 55 AD, um, there are creeds that Paul records for us and other biblical writers record for us mm -hmm. that actually predate 
the books themselves. And so yeah. these are actually, they were, they started out as oral creeds. They yeah. would, they would be things Christians would say, and then they got recorded finally when the, when the letters were written. And so yeah. what is arguably the earliest one is first Corinthians 15. And it's, it's very interesting to me what's mm -hmm. in this creed, because if you think, okay, what summed up Christianity for those yeah. earliest Christians, what did they think the gospel was? Yeah. It's, it's very much what we preach today. It starts out with Jesus died for our sins. Mm -hmm. you know, he, there was a divine purpose for his death. He wasn't just killed by an angry mob for speaking mm -hmm. truth to power. There was there was something that happened with Jesus' death that provided atonement for sin. Mm -hmm. it, it, he, it was for our sins that he died. And then it says in accordance with the scripture. Now, what a lot people of times, may not realize yeah. it's yeah it's so rich <laughs> that it says that because if you look at the scriptures they had at the time which was the old testament scriptures mm -hmm. the messianic prophecies isaiah 53 predicting yeah. what the jewish messiah would endure and then jesus identifying himself as the suffering servant from mm -hmm. isaiah 53 he did that in luke i believe it's luke 22 mm -hmm. so so he's basically saying that's me so all, even just that first part of that creed is so rich mm -hmm. it's that core of the gospel that jesus died for my sins in accordance with the scripture. And then it goes on to say that he was buried and that he was raised from the dead mm -hmm. in accordance with the scriptures. So you kind of have this scripture sandwich uh, yeah. with these, <laughs> these very core beliefs. You've got to load a new lingo today. The, I know. Scripture sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> scripture sandwich. But that, that summed up. And then, you know, Paul, and then Paul brings in some of the eyewitness testimony, 500 mm -hmm. eyewitnesses saw this and Amen. he adds himself to the list. So, so we have this this rich core. Yeah. And I think this is so important because a lot of people, I don't know if if they think through how to distinguish between what's most important and what's less important. Because Paul, mm. when he recorded that creed, he said, this is of utmost importance. Like First this importance. is the core. Yeah. This is the yeah. most important thing. Yeah. And I would challenge people, even guys, it, it's one thing, the danger of podcasts is people can think this is church. And yes, we are the church, but there's something about reading the word of God. For me to have printed in front of me, 1 Corinthians 15, to read it and exactly what you said, I remind you, brothers and sisters. So if you want to challenge the gospel, Paul has only preached this to them, but he's reminding them. And he says, I preach this to you. They heard something. We know what that is, the gospel of Christ. They received it. They stood on it. They were saved. That's the word sozo. And then he goes on and continues about exactly what you said. He mentions sin. He mentions death. He mentions resurrection. So the danger in this though, and we do kind of have to not attack, but say is the church you were in or many of the churches I can now think of, especially in the season of juggling what's right in America. Many pastors have gotten away from even talking about sin because mm -hmm. of this whole what's right or wrong, politi politically correct, people are afraid to talk about this anymore. So back to my youth group point even, they wouldn't know if you came in and said, guys, you're all drunk, you shouldn't be doing this. Guys, you're all having sex outside of marriage. Guys, you're all doing this. They'd say, well, you're so judgmental. That's the lie from the enemy. Those mm -hmm. things are barriers put in place. I mean, my son's 20. I'm doing their wedding ceremony You know, in April. They've been courting for four years. The barriers our family and their family have put in place are to protect them. So mm. it's going to be more of a blessing. But if you don't stand on the word of God, and it isn't just about 1 Corinthians 15, but this is this idea that it was already established back then. It was already a creed. This is nothing new from the Reformation, right? Right. And that and that is something I'm glad you brought that up because mm -hmm. we do hear so often 
that this whole idea, I mean, I've seen blog posts that say, <laughs> hey, the idea that Jesus died for your sins is not in the Bible. Wow. And the only reason that I can, I, I mean, I, I want to be charitable here, but the only reason I can think of that somebody would believe that is if they don't read the Bible. I know. Because it's all over the Bible. In fact, there's a line in, in the blog post that says, you're, you can't find the idea that Jesus paid the price for your sin anywhere in Scripture. But there, there's a verse in one of Paul's wow. epistles that says literally that, that he yeah. paid the price for your yeah. sin. And so, um, there, <laughs> I don't, and, and there's reasons why, and this is, I think, what might be good to drill down into yeah. is... It's not like, I think a lot of people who are bringing some of this stuff are well-intentioned. Yeah. I think they want to be They are to beautiful be people, amazing yeah. people. The conversations I've had, I mean, they are sweethearts of people, men and women. They would go out and evangelize. They would tend to the sick, but they're just not told the truth. They're yes. almost shamed from using words like that. And then the words that replace this are empathy and compassion, which listen, Jesus three times was, we see was moved with compassion, we moved with compassion. Compassion moves me to want to tell someone. Empathy mm -hmm. moves you to want to have a podcast and share with people. So yeah. what we're saying is what is thrown at the gospel often is this all came about because of the more lawyer mindset, the Protestant Reformation, they had to put mm -hmm. it to word. But if we were just to challenge that, and again, you know, you said being charitable, but it almost frustrates me if I think a Christian could think, you don't talk about sin. I mean, look at the history of the Old Testament. Right there in the garden, they sinned. We see mm -hmm. God showing up to Abraham. And yes, he was a preacher of righteousness. Father of faith, what was he preaching? Noah was preaching righteousness. What was he preaching? So we see this preached throughout the Old Testament. Why is the Levitical priest? Why is there a priesthood? Because sin is evident. Why do we see this? I mean, we see it in Daniel's day. And then here's what's crazy. You get to Elijah. I mentioned Elijah as an evangelist, but what does Elijah do? He pretty much tells the whole nation, whom are you guys going to serve today, Yahweh or Baal? That is a yeah. call to stop sinning. Then we're waiting for John the Baptist. Malachi finishes 400 years. John shows up in the spirit of Elijah. And what does he say? The same things. He confronts the common folk. He confronts the Pharisees. He confronts Herod and his head rolls. But to say this isn't in the Bible is some of the Bible. And I do want to set this up for you because what is the difference with biblical Christianity then and all the other faiths, cults, and ideas? What is the one thing that they don't want us to understand? Well, that, that Christ died for your sins, that That's he it. was, that he, that he, and I think that for some people, this may be hard to understand why there are, I'm sure there are people listening who are saying, it's hard to imagine why somebody would find that offensive, but then there's a lot of people probably listening that find it hard to believe how you could not find that offensive. Yeah, And I kind of understand both sides of it because I grew up thinking that was a very beautiful message because I knew I was a sinner. I knew yeah. that even I when I was going through all of my doubt and all of my, uh, you know, all of my deconstruction and all of these things, mm -hmm. deep down at the core, underneath all the intellectual stuff, I knew that I was a sinner. <laughs> yeah. I knew, I knew. In fact, yeah. I was trying to be really honest with myself. I was even in that class at the progressive church. I remember the pastor asking once, because we were talking about original sin. Yeah. And this is kind of where it, it was, it's all moves toward what you think about original sin, where you're going to land on some of this. Yeah. And I remember him saying, well, he went around the room and he said, if, if God didn't exist, do you think you would still be a good person? And person after person was like, yeah, I think I would. Oh my I think gosh. I, 
I think yeah. I would be generally good. I'd want, you know, to be a good generally dad or this good. or that. Yeah. yeah. But it got to me and I was like, man, I don't know if I'm like the serial killer in the room, but <laughs> gonna I kick know that I church. wouldn't. Yeah. Like I would probably be nice to people. I would probably want to be a good mom. I'd want my kid to be happy. I'd want to be yeah. happy. But I would find ways, like I, I could even think of like some criminal ways I could find to maybe steal money that wouldn't actually hurt anyone, but just like, so I wouldn't have to work Robin too hard. Hood? Robin Hood did yeah, it. Yeah, Robin Hood. I'd be like a Robin Hood. You know, so, so I know, I know that I'm not inherently good. I know mm-hmm. that actually sinning, lying, stealing, all that stuff actually comes more natural to me. Mm-hmm. And so it's when I put my trust in Jesus and he, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside me and starts yeah. that that process of sanctification, which just means mm-hmm. being more and more like Christ every day, that that's when the good starts to come. Because and, dad is saying to you, Elisa, you're my daughter. Yes. I've got better for you. Stop living like this. Stop doing that. He isn't saying you're, I, I get what the text says, but when you see Christ in the new referring to his father as Abba, yes, we see those that language in the Old Testament, but it's very different for me to see God as loving despite what I think or feel or I'm losing it. Imagine how many people could feel condemned because this year they've actually lost their job, their spouse has left, their parents have died from COVID, or they hate what's going on politically. They have so much rage and be fear. If they're in a church that doesn't open the word of God, they don't know it's a normal thing to wrestle with. So Mm. I think it's seeing your sin, but then even to go beyond that, which we weren't planning on going into, but even as you're saying, it's that God looks at you and doesn't stop loving you. It's mm. just that you acknowledging your sin, having repented, you get this. And just to even cut it short, what you said was, if God isn't real, and you've referenced this, Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. So what we're saying to those who are listening, and I'll, I'll, I'll jump to this earlier. Let's just say you had met me when I was 24 and you're hanging out and I show up and I'm like all over the place and you're this Christian, you've got your podcast, you know, whatever. And I'm sitting on a bench next to you at Huntington and I say, well, I've been married for three years. I have a beautiful son. I have a great skate career, but now I'm divorced and suicidal and there's no point to life. I know we evolved and I know I've messed it all up and bleep, 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 bleep. I'm going to take my life in a few hours. What do I need to know right then? You know, mm. what would you say? Wow. <laughs> That's a tough one. My goodness. <laughs> I'm not saying quote, you know, yeah, but no, I'm saying, but- where does that move you to, yeah. to a guy that in front of you, today's a day of salvation. Tomorrow's not promised. Yeah. We have this idea that Jesus got to know all these people for 30 years. He did. But once yeah. he was anointed by the spirit in the Jordan and in Luke four, he said, this spirit is on me for this reason. Yeah. He didn't put it off. It was yeah. mission on. So there's Brian sitting next to you yeah. and I can hear, I can, I can see the compassion in you. I can see you're like, Lord, you redeem this man that shouldn't yeah. be here in the house where you've restored our marriage. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's well, and I think, I think that what my heart would want you to know and understand in that moment, and you would have a, an interesting perspective into what I was, would say because mm-hmm. you, you had success. Yeah. You had a great son. You had a great skate career. According yeah. to the world standards, you, you've got it all. Yeah. You know, you, you, and even according to the world standards, you're not happy in your marriage, just, just move on else. and yeah. do, do the next good thing, you know, yeah. or whatever. 
And you know, in your heart, you know that that isn't going to give you any hope. Mm -hmm. You know that that's not going to give you any peace, any fulfillment, security. It's not going to give you any of that. It's not bringing you love or joy. Yeah. Why do you think that is? And, you know, maybe, maybe try to help you understand that it's not those things that really satisfy us in mm-hmm. the long run. And that's why this little bit of bad news sets up for the good news, because the truth is, and I think this is freeing. <laughs> so you're going to give me a, some, you're going to give me the bad news. I'm going to give you news. some bad good. news. Because I'm going to act like we're, we're roadkill. And if we just evolved, who cares? Yeah. And, you know, maybe I should go find a bunch of other women or go do this or go make a bunch of money. But no, yeah. I'm actually over it. And I was, I yeah. was, I was a truth seeker saying there's no purpose. If I just evolved, I am roadkill. It doesn't matter. And so you would right. then say. You were a intellectually consistent atheist. Yeah. Because I, you're I, right. I was, there's no evidence right there now. There is no yeah. purpose. Yeah. If, if God doesn't exist mm-hmm. and we all just got here by a completely unguided process yes. of evolution, you're right. Where Who you cares? are on that park bench is the right is would actually because there wouldn't be survival any, of the fittest right yeah, i'd be i'd be weak right then i'm out of the picture you would the be totally survive. consistent for that worldview it's the ones who say god doesn't exist we just evolved by uh yeah. you know just an unguided <laughs> process but then they try to invoke what's good or bad or what we should or shouldn't do they're the ones being inconsistent see i think you were being actually quite consistent because yeah. you're right if god doesn't exist there is no purpose yeah. there is no reason there is no good there's no bad there's no right there's no wrong mm. it wouldn't be wrong for you to kill yourself it wouldn't be wrong yeah. for you to do whatever you wanted to do but i think that that's why that's why this little bit of bad news is so freeing mm-hmm. for me and and i think for people, if we really search our hearts, I think this is true of all of us. Yeah, We, we know we're sinners. We know mm-hmm. that we're not good enough, at least on our own. Even if we try, even if we have the best of intentions, our best day ever, we still fall short and we know that. And mm-hmm. we're looking for a solution for that. And I think that's that's why the gospel is such good news because mm-hmm. you know, it, it's like you, you mentioned compassion and empathy. And in the thing that just came to my mind when you mentioned that is like yeah. compassion is only true compassion if it's based on truth. Yes. So if I walk into a cancer ward and I see a bunch of people sick with cancer, but I just say, oh, no, 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 they don't have cancer. It's not cancer. No, no, no. They're fine. They're fine. <laughs> and then, and maybe I have compassion that they feel nauseous from the medicine. Mm-hmm. That's that's the kind of compassion that's not based on truth. Compassion based on truth would actually be brokenhearted for mm-hmm. the fact that they have cancer. And then you're in it with them for the, the side effects and everything that they're experiencing. Mm. That's true empathy and true compassion. But you can only have that if you recognize the truth about a situation. Mm-hmm. See their condition, see where they are. And also, now what if you actually had the medicine what mm. would make them all set free, which apparently, I mean, and you talked about compassion, you know, Mark 6, 34, Jesus landed, saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them and it moved him. Matthew 14, 14, Jesus landed, saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them and healed the sick. Mark 1, 41, he was moved with compassion. Jesus reached out. But so there I am on the bench and I'm maybe now you've talked to me long enough. You've been compassionate. I'm like, okay, she seems cool. and I'm crying. Is your goal to get me to understand in this fallen, wretched world, um, this is the end. This is where we are. But there's another way. And are you willing to share with me 
what John shared, what yeah. Jesus shared, what Peter, Paul, what you just read to us in Matthew 28, because I'm sitting there with the cancer, sick and dead, mm -hmm. and God has sovereignly put me in front of you. And all the time we say, I want a divine moment. Every second of your life, Christian, is a divine moment. You know, you might have seen me joking where I, I'll preach to a couple thousand people and I'll say, you know, how many of you guys are in full-time ministry? And like 10 people will put their hands up. And I'll say, well, how many are Christians? And they'll all put their hands up and I'll say, mm -hmm. That's how many of you are in full-time ministry mm. because you might not have been a pastor, yeah. but sitting on that bench. So you would get to a place of actually unpacking sin, the mm. gospel, repentance. And here's the reality. I didn't hear that for months. Yeah. I was divorced and suicidal, like community service for seven months. And I went to various places and even some Christians were like, I remember a guy in his 50s saying, well, you know, just just read your Bible and live as best you can, because even if this isn't real, I mean, at least you lived a good life, right? And I'm thinking, wow, I don't think that's living a good life. I mean, Paul or Peter, it was yeah. said that we're most to be pitied if yeah. Christ didn't die for us. But so the point is, what I'm trying to say to people, and we, we can venture in a different avenue in a second, but when John came, Matthew 3, 1, John came preaching, repent. Then he dies. Matthew 4, 17, from that time on, Jesus began to go preach. What did he preach? Repent. In the book of Acts where they're all there and there's Peter and he's proclaiming and it says they were cut to their heart. What should we do? He says, repent. And I love this verse in Acts 17, 30. Paul says, as he goes into, you know, Mars Hill, in the past, God overlooked this ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to Repent. Repent, yeah. Why has repentance become, in your words, a stinker of a word? What's so <laughs> wrong with repentance? Isn't that good? Oh, I th yeah, I think it's fantastic news. And for somebody who's on the bench in the situation that that Amen. you were in, you have somebody who's actually acknowledging that there is something deeply wrong with mm. the world and deeply wrong with him. Amen. That's a perfect setup for the gospel. But the mm -hmm. reason why, you know, you asked why is it that case? I think that a huge reason that this message is so disdained in our culture is because our culture has been so inundated with this message that you actually are good, that you just, mm. you have this divinity already inside you. You just need to tap into it. You need yes. to meditate. You need to go deeper inside of yourself. You need to, you know, just become, mm. do a lot of self-love and a lot of self-care and follow your heart and follow your dreams and trust your conscience and all of these mottos and all phrases day peppered yeah. all day long. I mean, in our children's programming, in everything and in the movies, it always works out great. Yeah. You know, the person <laughs> follows their heart and everything works out great, but that's not what happens in real life. No. When we know from mm. scripture that our hearts are deceitful, they lie to us. I know if I'm honest, my heart lies to me all the time. Mm -hmm. They're 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 inherently wicked, the Bible tells us. And when you only hear that follow your heart message, that can sound like, what are you telling me? My heart's deceitfully wicked. Yeah. yeah. But it's the truth though. It is, and it will lie to you. It won't lead you toward life and hope mm -hmm. as the person on the bench, as Brian on the bench with the successful career and yeah. fatherhood and all that will tell you. And so uh, I think that it's it, it's so counterintuitive mm -hmm. to our cultural consciousness to be told that we're sinners, that we need to repent. It's um, confronting. It stops you in your tracks. But yes. it also says, well, Brian... Look at how you've been living. Guys, listening, I went into that marriage with intention of loving her. I mean, we've been, well, we've been married for 21 years now. You know, we put a marriage book out, Never Fails, and a lot of the ministry was birthed because of that through I Am Second and things like that. But it ultimately became that we had to step back and realize, wow, 
We wrote the book on how not to be married. Let's come to faith and write the book on how to, you know, trust God's word on how to be married. And now yeah. it's been redemptive. But if I'd never seen the sin, and again, it took me seven months, so many different churches, ministries, mm. was in this room next to me, when I was going to the Lord, God, I'll lay down my life, give you my skating, I'll get baptized. I'll remarry this woman. It was like God just addressed the issue of sin. Mm. And I was like, whoa. And I mean, you know, he says this, Mark 1, 15, the time has come, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is drawn near, repent and believe. The mm -hmm. good news. Mm -hmm. That's like, I have arrived. John came telling you to prepare your hearts, Israel, and everyone else, but here I am. So this, to what you said, what we've said is good as ourselves, and we're doing away with Christianity. Yeah. But what should be preached as good is that he has sent the lifeboat, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. And it's a free gift. Yeah. And I think too, like a good example of this to help people understand um, why repentance is a freeing message. I think mm. we see this, we actually see some of this in movies sometimes too. So there'll be a crime show mm -hmm. where maybe a young person commits a crime, uh, maybe a violent crime, yeah, um, maybe accidental, you know, maybe they didn't mean to kill someone, but they end up killing someone with their car or something, but they, yeah. they run away, they hide, they don't, tell anyone what happened it begins to eat at them and eat mm. at them now imagine that person this is an extreme example but all of us are on the spectrum of sin somewhere yep. you know maybe not everybody's killed somebody with their car but you know maybe you lied earlier today or you just you know you stole something small or whatever mm -hmm. it might be but let's think about this example so we see this in movies where it begins to eat at them and they yep. be, almost can sometimes even go crazy because they're hiding this secret. Now imagine if they were told, Oh, just trust your heart. You're actually crazy. a really good person. Mm -hmm. Just, just go meditate and find that inner divinity inside of yourself. That is never going to bring peace to that mm -hmm. person. What actually ends up bringing peace to the person is when they march down to the police station and confess what they did. Mm -hmm. And even if they have to go to prison, they have peace in their soul because in a way that's sort of a picture of repentance we mm -hmm. can't just shove things down and cover them up and look for the good because you know you can find something to focus on that you did that's good mm -hmm. but it's not going to atone for or cover the yeah. sin and and the sickness actually that we all have and so that might even be a picture of of repentance in a way where the we all kind of know this you know we yeah. all intuitively know that yeah how many serial killers do you see that suddenly just years later i mean there was a skateboarder called mark anthony gator his name was and he had actually killed his girlfriend's friend when they had separated, went and buried her in the desert in like a surfboard bag years ago, way before I skated, and no one would have ever found her. And then mm. he went and confessed. And you're thinking, okay, if you really didn't care, what? and obviously he's still in prison to this day. I mean, this has probably got to be 25, 30 years, but I'm saying it's true. You have these people and it's, there they are dealing with what's inside of them because it is eating them up. So yeah. with saying this, and so when we see Paul's words are saying that whatever we do, we should do it in word and deed. Here's the more practical thing. I am a guy that will go and say, hey, guys, I'm going downtown today. I'll get 30 people, take some guitars. They'll go worship. And I will just go and engage people, evangelize people. That isn't the way everyone has to do it because I realize there comes you and your husband walking by, staunch atheists, going to meet your daughter. I don't have the right to stop you and make you listen, but I'm also saying, Lord, as I go out, for those of you who do this, who's in front of me? Mm. I mean, the Bible says of Paul that he shared in the marketplace, whoever happened to be there. So he was preaching intentionally in the synagogue, but whoever he was making tents for, whoever he grabbed an apple from, whatever divine moment, he was willing. 
I will go out and share, engage where they are. You might be with me and it maybe it's a woman. I'm like, hey, you can relate in a different way. It's still the gospel. It's the power. But there's the weird part. What I had the other day was amazing. I got sent a prophetic video. I don't go there ever. It was an amazing lady from our church. Could you just watch this video for me? And, you know, all these people were saying kind of funny stuff. But one of the things the guy said was, and he might have meant it differently, but to me, it stuck true. He said, you know, this has been a year of cutting out the tongue where people no longer speak truth. Mm. And he said, what's sad about the church is we are the body of Christ and we've got to get back to using the mouth to proclaim the truth. Wow. So whatever he meant, I was like, it's true. In a yeah. way, glorified the deeds by sending our money overseas and doing all the things and helping people and adopting in. But one of the things and why I'm quoting so much scripture, John preached, Jesus preached, Peter preached, you are preaching. That word Russo, it means we're to herald, we're to proclaim. It is good news. You know, we've won the eternal lottery. So what yeah. Like how does the downtown me sharing part, but how can Christians practically indeed, we're all kind of doing that. You know, here's the staple that, Hey, I'll buy your lunch. Hey, there's a homeless person, but it also needs to be proclaimed because you could have said a lot of things to me on the bench that night. Hey, you know what? Let me call your ex-wife or whatever. I'll try and work this out. Or, you know what? Here's a thousand dollars. Go party for a while. Find some women, get over it. But if you never actually shared the truth and I was to die, I'd have died on your watch. You mm. know, you were salt that didn't have its flavor. That would have been the situation. So I look at it like, and I might have said this last time you were on, but that movie, I See Dead People, when I seen that, I look around the world and I say, everyone mm. I see in Christ or I see dead people. And so mm. there's that's the probably the agency of an evangelist. But back to my point, I know I'm going a while, but what that's would good. you say then is the word part? How can Christians who maybe don't feel they are an evangelist, but are called to be evangelistic to go. How can they practically live this out, you know, daily? Yeah. Well, that's a great question because I think I'm one of those people. It doesn't come natural to me to want to engage people in conversation. I'm very <laughs> introverted. I have to kind of fight against that. And so I'll, I'll, I want to get to that in one second, but yeah. I want to reference something you just said that I think is so important. I think it ties together with your yeah. question. You mentioned um, that person saying something about, you know, it must be proclaimed with the tongue. And I think that's another battle mm. we have in culture because there's sort of this this idea going around in some circles that, well, we don't have to use words to preach the gospel. We can just do it with our actions. In fact, mm -hmm. there's this famous quote. It's actually misattributed to Francis um, St. Francis. He didn't actually say it, <laughs> yeah. but it's, you know, preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. And of course, that's been debunked. He didn't actually say that. But a lot of people use that as kind of their motto and their, mm -hmm. their sentiment. And the problem, though, is that the gospel is a message that requires words. Yeah. And even just from a logical standpoint, to even say, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. I mean, you had to use words to make that sentiment come yeah. out. So obviously <laughs> words are not bad. The words are important. Um, but I will I will say this. I think one thing, especially that really helped me as kind of a more introverted person, like I'm just being totally honest. When I mm. get on a plane, I'm that person that's like hood up, you know, <laughs> book open. And I'm like, Lord, I'm open. And like, and I, he really, Lord has to work on me with this because I do have this, 
this fervor in my heart for people to know Christ, but I also am just, mm-hmm. I, I really, it's difficult for me to want to engage with, especially people I don't know. So I have to work on this. One thing that really, really helped me mm-hmm. was a book I read called Tactics. Have you read Greg Kokel's Tactics? Well, I know your friends are Greg, and I think I might have even talked to him online before, but I, I've heard of it. I haven't read yeah. it yet, but it's an evangelistic. Well, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tool that, mm. you know, you're not going to use in absolutely every situation, but it's different tactics you can do to open up con- gospel conversations with people. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and, and that book really helped me because I think just even knowing that you could have a fruitful conversation and you could maybe plant some seeds. And, and if you're not the one that harvests that day, you know, at least you planted some seed, other people are going to come along and garden. And then maybe somebody, (laughs) God will send someone else to harvest. Uh, but that, that really helped me. And one, one thing I really took away from Mm -hmm. that, in fact, I was sort of paralyzed, if I'm honest, with evangelism uh, as an adult. Now, as a kid, we did a lot of street ministry, a lot of street evangelism. Mm. I was very bold, but I often found it ineffective. I would yeah. just be walking up to people with a tract and say, have you given your life to Jesus? And, you know, they're like, who's this crazy person? And they and might walk off with it. They might read it. But really, might. you didn't. I mean, God uses those things because yes. if that's the fact that he says the harvest is ripe means it is always ripe. You can never outwork the harvest. It's always there. But so sometimes it's effective, sometimes it's not, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it felt, you know, and you're right. I shouldn't say it wasn't effective because God could have done anything after they walked away. It felt to me like I couldn't, I wasn't breaking through that wall, you know? So I kind of gave up on it as an adult. And when I, when I read some of the, the ideas in this book, the first thing I did was I struck up a conversation with a Muslim cab, uh, Uber driver that I was taking <laughs> me to the airport. And we had the greatest conversation about, you know, about what Muslims believe about Jesus and what Christians believe. And I was able mm. to really plant some seeds of the gospel there. And, and so I think that, you know, for, if you're really introverted, that book might help you, mm-hmm. but I think too, and this is something I challenge myself with because, um, you know, this whole idea that you're a sinner and you need a savior and you need to repent for your sins, turn to Jesus. This is so like antithetical to our culture. Yeah. So I can understand why people would be hesitant to just lead with that, you know, but like you said, you never know there. Like I talked with a guy the other day that the pastor from the pulpit said exactly that your sin, you're a sinner. You need to repent Mm. and put your trust in Jesus. And he said, I had sat in church. I probably heard that a million times, but that time it got, Mm -hmm. it just. The Holy Spirit pricked the the heart. The Holy Spirit just revealed that to him (laughs) as the guy said it. So you never know when that's going to happen. And we don't have to worry about faith. I mean, if you said, Brian, I have 500 of my friends. What can you tell us? Guys, you don't save anyone. Yeah. Get out the way. I don't need you to come back and say there was a mighty harvest. You go and sow the seeds. But when you go share, here's two things that will happen. People will respond or they will reject. Isaiah mm. says the way goes out never turns void. I'm just a mouthpiece. I don't go down shouting, hey, you, you with the angel's jersey on, you're a sinner. I say, Lord, grant me today people I can share with. They might notice my accent. They might see I'm holding you know, a tract. Maybe I'm not. Most of the time I don't but engage. That's very different than evangelistic living. But here's the reality. You and me, you know what we're doing? We're working on a podcast. This is what our life is in our ministry. Everyone listening is going to be around thousands of people that we are probably never going to engage, but they are. 
As you go out in love to share this message, God has put a promise on it that there will be a harvest. My sheep hear my voice. They follow me. And even you made an amazing point. I mean, you made a load of amazing points, but amazing point about even sharing Jesus. The fact that we're told you will be hated for my name's sake. You will Mm. be given over for my name's sake. The fact that the book of Acts tells us the apostles were going to be persecuted because of the name. If it was only indeed, no one would know his name. So mm-hmm. I live it very practically, the skate world. A lot of my friends now listen to this who aren't believers. I'm hoping they hear and go, is he telling me to listen to this because he wants you to come to faith? Yes, people <laughs> repent and come to faith. <laughs> but it's also your disposition. I don't go out to challenge. I go out and share. The word will challenge, but we've got to be loving. We've got to be winsome. I love everyone. I'm going to mm-hmm. go and proclaim the truth. I don't like to divide these lines. The word of God does its part. It should be better for you. Because as I go share the truth, you should feel the love for me. God's word's going to speak what's true. So, mm-hmm. and I yeah. think there's something to be said too for, you know, sometimes even like pre-evangelism. Mm-hmm. Sometimes apologetics is called pre-evangelism because, you know, if you look out into culture, there are so many people that if you even say the word Christian, yeah. There could be several different things that comes to their mind first. It could be, oh, um, people trying to overthrow the Capitol building or, (laughs) you know, that's what to some people Christians are because some people did that in his name. With banners or something. With Mm -hmm. banners. And yeah, I looked at everything, but I mean, that's not the gospel. That's not Christianity. God didn't tell one of those people to go do that. Not one. No, that's, yeah, there's no, there's no. Christian thing about that, even though somebody might be using the phrase or the first thing that comes to their mind is homophobic or they hate gay people. Or the first thing that comes to their mind is, you know, those prosperity preachers on TV that just want you to send in your money or maybe some abusive experience that they had growing up in the church and, or hypocrisy. You know, we, you see preachers preaching one thing and then, you know, it turns out they've been dating someone who's not their spouse for six months or whatever. And I think that sometimes just backing up a little bit and doing a little pre-evangelism to let people know, like, that stuff is not Christianity. Yeah. A lot of things have been done in the name of Christ that Christ mm. would condemn and say, that's not, that's not who I am. That's not my message. That's not my gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, I think there, there's probably some of that we need to do as well to try to untie some of those knots for people, especially when the real gospel isn't really being preached a whole lot. Because yeah. people can easily think, well, maybe that is what Christianity is, and I don't want anything to do with it. And it's condemning. And that was the point with the when I'd even message you guys. I just messaged, you know, at least the last week and said, hey, there's so many of my friends who are just getting involved in certain ministries and churches. And I think we need to have a conversation about what the gospel is, but it would be like, well, Hey, w- what's different about this sin and that sin. So Alisa, are you trying to live in sin right now? Like, are you eager to get off the podcast to go live in sin? No. <laughs> okay. And I know that. And if you were, that's between you and the Lord, but I am not trying to live this life. The point is when you come to faith, you don't want to live this way. That's right. You might stub your toe and say something or have it out with your spouse or be in this season of like, what is going to hold of me? Well, you're probably yeah. not in the word. You're probably not in worship and praise. You might not have accountability, but we have to break through this gap that the church is called out to be beautiful, even though in the flesh she wrestles. And I don't know where I'd head. It's been over a few years, but it was one of the famous atheists. But they'd said, if we really believed what we say we do, that people were dead in sin, how unloving is it of us not to share the gospel mm. with them? 
Yeah. And, and, and I think it's Penn, right? Or the one. Who yeah, it was Penn, yeah, from Penn and Teller, I think so. Yeah. But this, the reality is true. Look, we have the good news. It doesn't really matter who's in office. It doesn't really matter even about this podcast. But if this gets you to the good news, that's the goal. Guys, I want to make it to heaven and I'm going to because of Christ, but I want to take as many people with me as I can. That should be the heart of it. And so I guess that the sign is kind of, we've almost traded in the call of God for like a Christian social club. Mm. And we're afraid to challenge people, but 24 years dead in sin about to commit suicide. If I lived in Texas, I've never even really been around guns. I don't even think I'd be alive today, mm. but it was when God himself brought to attention my sin I saw the goodness of God. And so obviously you being raised in it, but then you had to go and grab a hold of the gospel as far as why does this sound so far? And that was God's goodness. So mm. for those listening, you know, you're getting fed, you're hearing this with grace. We're just trying to say, man, it is really relevant in this season that even as that prophetic guy said, we're not just in deed, but we're in word. We're proclaiming the truth, telling me of my state and that Christ has come. That's everything. So. Yeah. yeah. Any thoughts yeah. you just carry in from the last few things we said or what? <laughs> well, the only thing that, that that occurs to me is like, just I'm always thinking about the knots people have that need help being untied, you know, the preconceived yeah. ideas and things. And I, you know, I, I realize like we're saying you're a sinner, you need to repent from your sins. And I realize that we're living in a culture that is really telling you that for anybody to to tell you you're wrong about something that that yes. that means they hate you or that yeah. you know if if the bible teaches or like you mentioned uh marriage and just the guardrails that are up that god created sex for a mm -hmm. very specific purpose Amen. and he put guardrails around it and now listen there are some christians or at least people who claim the name of christ who have been very hateful toward people who might have sexual brokenness or sexual sin in their lives. Ugh, yeah. uh, and that's not God's heart. Uh, but at the same time, whatever the sin is, even though I would just encourage listeners to press through that a little bit, because yeah. just because the culture is telling you that for someone to say you're wrong about something or that you have sin in your life is hateful, whatever it may be, sexual yeah. sin, whatever it may be. Or that you feel um, it in your heart, you're so sure it's not. Yes. Yeah. 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 Even if it's really making you happy right now, you feel like this is your identity and it's fulfilling you. Um, I, I, I've talked with so many people who have given their hearts to Christ out of different sexual lifestyles who found such joy and peace mm -hmm. in following Jesus. And not that it's easy, but I mean, but we are all called to be faithful sexually, no matter what our situation Amen. is. And so that's not hate though. That That is actually God's love and protection for you because he's the one who created you. Mm -hmm. And and he's the one who knows what is, you know, what, what sex is for, what, what it's uh, created for the purpose, yeah. the fulfillment it can bring, all of that good stuff. Um, and so there are guardrails on those things. And and that's one thing I think that's really hard for our culture because we kind of, we want to be autonomous. We want to make those decisions for ourselves. But I just hope that you can hear me, whoever's listening, just to know <laughs> that that it's not hate. It's actually love because if, if it were hate, it would be so much easier to just say, okay, that's not a big deal. We're not going to worry about that. Who cares? Yeah. Um, but I would have to hate you to actually yeah. say it doesn't matter because it actually does matter. And if it really does matter, wouldn't the most loving thing be mm. to, to give you that message? And people have said to me, you know, don't you have friends who are like this and like that? I'm like, look, 
I'm from Liverpool, one of the most eclectic cities in the world. I grew up with every kind of Muslim. A lot of my friends were gay, lesbian. I'm sure all the rest of it now. And I say, but here's the thing. And I've said this to good friends of mine. I wanted to kill myself. Mm. Is it okay for you that I opened up a Bible that claims God wrote it? And when I was 24, I had an encounter with the living God, the way he talks about speaking to Nicodemus in John 3. And that after I came to faith, he saved my wife, restored my marriage. And today I'm crazily still talking about this God. Is it okay for you if this is what I believe? And the only thing that might challenge you is that you're going to disagree with some of the things in the word. But guess what? I'm not going to do anything about your life. If you want to lie, if you want to hate, if you want to live, however, let's put it in proper context here, be more of an apologetic with it. If you want to live, however, your life should still be better because of me, because I'm meant to love you anyway. I'm meant to show you Christ. It has to be someone coming against me who's angry about me, but is it okay to receive that? And that's where I would say, and, and both of us have had on our podcasts, uh, Becca Cook, I mean, yes. what an amazing guy. You know, I know yeah. he's always coming on my post. We've got to go and hang out, hang out in LA again. But he had an amazing journey of his yes. life where he thought he was one way. God moved him this way. And now he's, what, 15 years of what, celibacy? Mm, um, yeah. And he, and he and made so a joyful. Point. Yeah. And he's just excited and he's just pursuing God. And he, he, you know, I'm sure you guys will laugh on your heads off, but we will laugh on our heads off on the podcast. And I was like, so are you going to have a wife now? And he was like, well, Brian... <laughs> whatever the Lord has for me, that's what I'll have. And I was yeah, like, you know yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. Me, you know, let me read this. Cause I know I've already had you an hour, but we always hear John three sixteen, probably the most quoted verse in the Bible. But if I just read John three sixteen, and John three twenty one, just listen to how this is laid out the picture. Cause most people don't see this. John three sixteen says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And we stop there and we say, well, see, it's just about Jesus. It's about following Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus' purpose. But he goes on and says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So Jesus is on a rescue mission. What are you saving us from? Brian's dead on the bench. Elisa, what are you going to tell me? And then this is what he says in verse 18. Whoever believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already mm. because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. I'll read the rest in a second, and I want you just to jump wherever you feel with that, but you reference Genesis so much, and that Genesis idea is what we need to understand. Mankind fell, and mm. man is still fallen. And why you need the good news, regardless of how you live, if it's about lying, if it's about lifestyle, if it's about hate, pride, self-righteousness, whatever it is, we are still condemned and we're currently guilty. And Jesus is on a rescue mission. Mm. We don't get to heaven and have it out with God and figure out how many old ladies we helped across the road. He just said we're already condemned. And then in verse 19, this is why I believe a lot of these people don't want to share this. I, I mean, progressive pastors and leaders because you're going to sell less books. Your blog isn't mm. going to be as relevant. And that sounds judgmental, but listen to this. We're talking about people going to hell. He says in verse 19, this is the judgment. This is the current status. He's saying the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Everyone who does wicked things, that's you and me, Elisa. Mm -hmm. We hate the light and do not come to the light 
lest our work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. All that's saying is you guys were born into a world where we've both confessed for a good hour, the state of our hearts. We know what's in us. We don't want to live that way. We definitely should be better people now. The fruit of the spirit's there, Galatians 5. But knowing our state and throwing up God, please redeem us, save us. That's it. God so loved the world, he sent Jesus. You're already condemned. But if you want to live in sin, you're going to hate the light. But if not, and you hear his voice and repent and respond, you will come into the light freely. Mm. And that's it. And you'll be, you know, you'll start your own podcast or like Elisa, write a couple of books or, or <laughs> not, whatever God's got for you. So yeah. any thoughts on that simple verse just in John? Man, I, I don't know if I could top what you said. That was so good. <laughs> I, You know, the, what was going to remind as you were reading that is, I was just thinking about how many people, it really all comes down to this problem of evil mm-hmm. and problem of suffering. So many people mm-hmm. disbelieve in God because of their of the evil in the world. Or they'll, they'll say, you know, how could a good God allow these kinds of things? But I think what people are missing is that he already, he, he didn't just give us an answer mm-hmm. to the problem of evil. He literally became the answer himself. Amen. God incarnate coming into <laughs> the world, living a perfect and sinless life to solve Amen. that problem as far as humans are concerned mm. so that he can keep his promise to wipe away every tear from our mm. eye forever. Because think about it this way. If he doesn't solve the evil problem, if he doesn't mm. solve sin, judge sin, and and put it away forever, then he's just going to be letting sin into heaven, which would just be like a big cycle of the same problem. Mm. Well, that really would be a good God allowing evil, but he has solved it. Mm. And the reason, and I think for people, it's just, they think maybe it's not happening fast enough. But what we Mm. have to remember is that God is so patient and merciful. He's giving people the most amount of time. He's giving the world the most amount of time possible for people to repent and put their trust in him. And, but then there will come a time when that window closes and, and there will be final judgment. And, that is how he keeps his promise mm. to for us to be in his presence forever without any suffering, without mm. any evil. And, and I think when we have eyes to see it, it's it's the most beautiful story that no human being could have thought of. It, it, it comes from God and it is the gospel and it's beautiful. <laughs> Amen. And you added plenty there for them to understand and see. So, so guys, I hope that you're feeling loved, you're hearing truth. I mean, we talked about suicide and stuff and we didn't necessarily mean to but man if you guys are going through it reach out to me or elisa let us know grab a hold of someone but in the midst of all this journey you know as we're talking about evangelism there's something that is important i mean god says that he gave gifts to the church and one of those gifts would be the evangelist and so the evangelist feels the need wants to push wants to accelerate everything and as i go and share a lot speaking but also encouraging the chat there's a few things that i always tell people they can do practically like for Elisa, her sharing her story, that's their testimony. The Bible says the testimony of Jesus and revelation is the spirit of prophecy. When you share what God did in your life, he saved me. You could say on that bench, divorce and suicidal, God is good. That's the testimony to how the gospel moved. Elisa has her story. I would encourage our listeners, sit down with your spouse or go in your room. Think about your testimony. Yeah, you went to church. Yeah, you read this. Yeah, your friends. But when was it that you knew you'd sinned and you saw God's grace and mercy and you were overwhelmed by what he did? Also, I would say, 
The goal of evangelism is always a bridge to the church. You know, I hope more churches are filled because of our podcasts, because of things that go out, because of books, because as Elisa said, starting, there's a call to go, but there's a call to disciple. I'll disciple people, but I'm generally going in to be a vessel, to proclaim, to catch people, to come into the church. So pastor so-and-so, like my pastor, Andrew Shea, with his 5, 10, 20-year plan, he's thinking like that. I'm thinking about today, editing this podcast, putting it online, people hearing it. And also, I would say that what's important is that we are filled with the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit upon confession. He seals us. But listen, get up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm going to work at that bank again today. And Blackwell, use me, Lord. Where would you have me speak? Who is there that needs to hear? Look for Brian on the bench. Look for Elisa, who's pregnant at the time and stressing in that church and just looking for a lifeboat and God sent various people. So I hope that encourages all of you. Any kind of closing thoughts before we, we lead them towards your podcast and I didn't get a hold of you? Anything to think of? No, man. I, what a rich conversation. I loved it. I loved. Mm. Uh, I always love talking to you, Brian. And Thank I just, you. I love your heart. And I just appreciate you giving... I, I like talking with you because... <laughs> The conversation can just go so deep and and <laughs> just loved it. So thank you so much. I'm thank you. And I appreciate and, and listen, as I tell all the guests, you could in two days have a topic and be like, Brian, I really want to just unpack this. Let me know. I'll jump into some notes. We'll pray because whatever we need to give to the body in that season, I still believe the Holy Spirit moves that way. So listen, you guys, and I love what Elisa's doing because for one, as a woman, you are using your platform. You are thriving in your in your position. You are thriving as your place in the body. More women need to see that, especially with this game of what a woman is in today's culture. Mm. I mean, you're writing books, you're podcasting, you're being an example. Praise God for that. Go over and listen to her podcast. There's too many that are still sitting on in my room because I've been running around busy. I haven't caught up on. Um, but how do they get a hold of you? What's the best way to track you down? Your website? The book again, everything. Yeah, everything's kind of all consolidated on my website. So that's alisachilders.com. <clears throat> you can find my blog and my podcast. I'm not blogging a ton these days because I'm working on the book, but I do keep the podcast going in the YouTube channel. Uh, you can find all that on my website. I'm also on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Elisa Childers. I'm on Twitter, but I... I'm praying about, I may not be on Twitter much longer. We'll see, <laughs> but I'm at, I'll stay on Facebook and Instagram for the time being. I heard Alisa. they lost 60 billion. Well, you know, I, I hadn't heard that. I hadn't heard the actual number, but for me, it's more just about, mm -hmm. I feel like, I, I don't know if I have the bandwidth for Twitter. It's just, it get, puts a I knot in my stomach. It. Yeah. It, I just puts a knot in my stomach and I said, yeah. I don't need that. I don't think. I so. think you're better, you know, sitting from what I see from what you're doing, sitting with what the Lord's putting on your heart, putting together what you've already studied and learned. I'm yeah. sure adding things to it, putting it out, giving someone something to see. Hey, I'm stressed. Well, what does so-and-so say about it? What is Brian? Yeah. If that's where you are, then amen. It's encouraging people bearing fruit. So alisachilders.com is where they get a hold of everything. Um, and the book, where's the best place to get it? Barnes & Noble? Um, yeah, you can get it Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's There's a tab on my website, alisachilders.com slash another gospel. And there's tabs to buy it at all kinds of different places there. Mm -hmm. And guys, please go over and let her know. I, you know, I know we get so busy, but I love the listeners that I hear from who you might write me a whole I'll say 10 pages, you don't have to go that far. But when I hear that God messed with you and your mind and your heart and your soul through five thoughts in a podcast, 
praise his name. I, I am thankful for that. So in closing though, um, would you just pray us out, whatever the Lord puts on your heart, and then we'll get on with our lives today. Yes. Well, Father, thank you so much for this podcast and for the ministry that Brian has and for his heart for evangelism. It's it's very inspiring and convicting to me uh, just, to, just to be around that. And I know that that's an area in my heart that I need to I need to do better. I need to submit more of myself to you in that area and I ask you to help me with that. And I know that there's probably people listening that feel the same way. They're they're listening to Brian and and they're like, "My goodness, he he just wants to go everywhere and tell everyone about Jesus." And Lord, I know that we all want to be that way and I pray that that you would work that in our hearts. Um, to be more like that. And Lord, for those who may be listening who have been confused about the gospel, maybe they've had a perception of Christians um, that doesn't reflect the teachings of Jesus or the or the the Christianity that that Jesus passed down to us. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to work in their hearts to help them to see the true gospel and not some of these the silliness that culture has added to it or uh, certain churches have added to it, or even self-professed Christians have mm -hmm. um, added to it. Lord, I pray that that we would all have eyes to see the beauty of the gospel. And mm. I pray that you will lead everybody who's listening to yourself. Yes, God. Draw them to you, Lord. Open up the doors of their heart. Break down their walls. And I pray that even right now as people are listening, if, if mm. you would move upon their heart to just begin talking to you, to just yes, open their hearts and their minds and say, okay, God, I'm here. I, I'm, I want to go on this journey. Help me. And I know that that help me prayer is one you love to answer, mm. especially when it pertains to spiritual hunger and knowledge. So give us hunger and yes, thirst Lord. for your word and to know you better and to spend more time in your presence. And we just pray that you'd bless everybody's day mm. in Jesus name. Amen. Well, powerful. Before we exit here, guys, thank you for tuning in the shares, the likes, the comments. That is not the goal, but the goal is to get Christ before many faces, eyes, hearts, ears. And this is Brian Sumner saying that the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Check out what Elisa's doing. Check out what I'm doing at briansumner.net. Thank you, Elisa, so much. Thank you for your time and your wisdom all the put God's put in you. Um, and I went over to my friend's house the other day, Pete Duenas, who is the guest that is going on this show tonight. Yours will come on right after. And in his bookshelf, he had your book. I asked him if he read it. He'd finished it in a few days. So, oh. and he got fed. So go pick up her book and support as well. So thank you for your time. And we'll all talk soon. Amen.